Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Do you feel that perhaps you're not as playful and fun-loving as you used to be? Have you maybe fallen into the trap of being a grown-up? That's what Heart FM radio presenter and dad of three, Ed James, discovered the moment he hit the reset button on his life. Sadly, Ed went through a bankruptcy, driving ban and relationship breakup at the same time, causing him to leave his family home with just a plastic bag and a toothbrush. But he says it's only when you lose everything that you appreciate what's really important in life. Ed talks candidly about the highs and lows of the last few years and how he discovered that the best approach in life is to simply be more kid. And in fact, it's worked out so well for him, he's written a book about it. And we just realise that there's a, a mindset of a child that we've all had, because we've all been kids. And over time, you lose it. You lose it because of your job, or you've got a mortgage to pay, or bills come in, and life gets in the way, and you have a bit of trauma in a relationship or a friendship or a marriage or whatever. And we carry this stuff with us in the way that kids don't. Kids don't overthink like we as adults do. That's effectively what Be More Kid is all about. It's about unlearning everything that we've all learned and we've had to take on over the years and just going back to our authentic childlike selves. Welcome back to Brummy Mummies. My name is Zoe Chamberlain. I'm a journalist, author and mum. I launched Brummy Mummies as a community for families to help people to connect both online and in person. My goal is to share with you stories from the most inspiring mums and dads to help you find out how they juggle family life and everything that comes with it. So let's get straight into talking to Ed about fatherhood and how we can all benefit from injecting a bit more fun into our lives. Hi Ed, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It is a pleasure. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How about you? Really good, actually. I'm right now in Digbeth and the sun's shining and everything feels good. So tell me about your book, Be More Kid. How did you come up with the idea for it? The idea came from actually quite a sad, um, traumatic situation. My little girl, my daughter, and I think she was about four at the time, she broke her arm. Um, and she either fell or was pushed off the top bunk. We don't know if it was a fall or if it was her brother who maybe helped her off. Oh, but she, <laughs> you know what? You know what it's like with kids. But she fell, and I was in the house, and I heard a big. You know, as a parent, it's a horrible moment where you hear the thud from upstairs and you go, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and then she screamed and she cried. I ran up and you just know straight away that things weren't right. The arm was obviously broken. Um, and it was just a horrible point because there was tears streaming down her face. Her brothers who were in the room as well looked white. Still not sure if that's because they pushed her or they were just shocked that that she'd fall, ha ha had this fall. Um, but it was how she dealt with that that really gave me the idea for Be More Kid. So as a four-year-old, that's a horrible experience to have to go through. But she handled it amazingly well. 
Um, that was the only time she cried. After that, she absolutely embraced every part of the journey from the sling, which she insisted was pink because she wanted a pink one. Uh, she got all her mates to sign it. Um, she felt quite special in class because she had a you know thing that her mates didn't. Um, and she just relearned to do everything. So the thing that sticks in my mind was, um, obviously, she only had the use of her left arm. So she used to open drawers with her good arm and then use her head to close them. And <laughs> at no point did she moan or whinge or complain. And I just contrasted that to if it had been me, um, it would have been the end of the world. It would have been, uh, you know, why is this happening to me? Um, I can't go to work. I can't do anything I want to go. I can't leave the house really because I've got a bad arm. I'm in pain. I'm going to moan about it. I'm going to overeat, which makes it... And you just go into a spiral of defeat, I guess. And she didn't. And then that gave me a kernel of an idea as to, well, hang on a second. Why, when you're a kid, do you just accept things? And actually, not just accept them, you, you make the best of them. You turn it into a positive in the way that adults don't. And I did a bit of research into it, and I kind of interviewed a, a load of other kids as well. Um, and I was learning NLP at the time with Mark and Nikki, who I've co-written the book with. And we did loads of research into how kids cope and how adults cope. And we just realized that there's a, a mindset of a child that we've all had, because we've all been kids. And over time, you lose it. You lose it because of your job or you've got a mortgage to pay or bills come in and life gets in the way and you have a bit of trauma in a relationship or a friendship or a marriage or whatever. And we carry this stuff with us in the way that kids don't. Kids don't overthink like we as adults do. And that's effectively what Be More Kid is all about. It's about unlearning everything that we've all learned and we've had to take on over the years and just going back to our authentic, powerful, childlike selves. So that's, in a nutshell, the story of Be More Kid. It sounds brilliant. So what, what does it mean to you to be more kid? How do you become more kid yourself? Well, I think, I think I've always tried to, because I've always throughout my life been told to grow up and <laughs> that I am like a big kid. And I've embraced that because we're not here for a long time. You know, life is short and we've all got a choice, actually. We've got a choice of how we respond to things and we've got a choice of how we want to conduct ourselves, how we want to show up. So every morning... We all have the same choice. Do we want to arrive at work harassed and stressed and in a bad mood? Or do we want to go, well, let's make the best of this. Um, a stat that I always, and, and this isn't me saying I'm like this all the time. God, I have bad days. And yes, there are days when you haven't had enough sleep and the traffic on the Hagley Road heading into Brum is horrendous. And then there's roadworks on the side. And we all get in those bad moods, but it's a case of, having to remind ourselves, I guess, that the odds of being alive are a trillion to one. So actually, let's embrace the fact that we're here, we're healthy, and we're happy, and just look for the fun in stuff. And that's what I've always tried to do, really. Just look for opportunities to have fun and play and, and laugh, because if you don't do that, it's a bit of a waste of time. I think it's so true that 
as as parents, we end up being really serious. Like we do. I look back on my life and think, gosh, I was so much more laid back and playful before I had kids. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and I think that's exactly it. It's trying to get back to that state. And I've I've tried to do that all my life, really. And my relationship with my kids now, uh, I've got an 18, a 17 and a 15-year-old. So they're older, but they're, they're just mates. And that's what I love. And we just play and we hang out and we have fun. And yeah, there are times when you have to be a parent and you have to say, it's bedtime. Have you done your homework? Why haven't you eaten? You got a school day. But it's how you do that. And I think, you know, if if you, I've always been the kind of, person that just embraces fun and actually you, you know you don't have to go into tell mode um to get the kids to be, behave but you're absolutely right having kids does change things and as you get older and the more things you've got to deal with life can feel harder but there is a way to reframe all that and concentrate on the fun because the harder you feel it is the harder it, it will seem and the harder it, it will be is injecting fun into your life something that you consciously do every day? Do you, do you actually think of things that you're going to do to have fun with with the kids or with other people? Or, or do, is it something that you kind of do subconsciously now? It, it, it's a bit of both, actually. I always try and have fun. and But you're right, it's good to plan things in, be that. And it could be a day at a theme park or a walk. It, it's all about, I always try and check myself halfway through the day or absolutely at the end of the day. And, and you go, because it's you can't do it every single day because, you know, some days things run away with you. But it's a good habit, I think, to get into, to just check yourself and go, have I done anything for me? And I guess that that's the important thing. Fun can mean anything. Fun doesn't have to mean a theme park or a water slide. Fun can be sitting for half an hour and reading your favorite book or having some quiet time or having a walk without your phone and just feeling nature and feeling the sun on your face. It can be anything that makes you feel good. And I think that's the really important part as well. It doesn't have to be, oh my God, this is so much fun. It can be, well, what do you need at that time? And I think, I don't know, I think I speak for everyone, really, I think we, we've all found this over the past year. It's been it's been really hard, and we've had three lockdowns. We're not quite out of it all yet, and the world does feel like a bit of a crazy, strange, scary place still. But I think what we all appreciated in the lockdowns was actually just a walk in nature is often the best thing you can do. And we're almost forced, I think, especially in the first one when the sun was out and it felt really nice. We were all forced to just stop a minute, take breaks. Everyone was in this same weird place of relearning how everything works and relearning Zoom calls and how not to be on mute all the time and we're going to work from home and how how does that work? But actually, I think the, the best parts of that were just going, I'm going to have a walk now for an hour in the sunshine and just do me for a bit. Um, and I think that gave us all the chance to reconnect with what's important. So that's that's all I'd say, really. Yeah, it can be fun as in, you know, something exciting, but it can just be something that you need to do that's really good for self-care, be it a book or a bath or, 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 or a film you, you enjoy as well. Those things are really important. I think that's so true. We did feel that, that kind of connection with nature. I think yeah. it also made us value uh, human connections as well. Absolutely right. And uh, Absolutely sometimes right. it's about 
you're reaching out to other people, I guess. It is. And, you know, Zoom's great. And here we are doing a, a, a podcast, in effect, on Zoom, which is fantastic. But you're right, I've missed people. And I think there is a danger. And I feel it for the kids as well. Kids are supposed to be with other kids. And I just feel, you know, fair play to any kids and mums and dads who have come through this past few years. Because it's been really tough. We've had to, you know, as, as, as a parent, we've also had to be a teacher. Um, as well Um, and that's not not been easy but 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 the kids have had to cope without that interaction and I think back to when I was a kid pre-internet as well and I'm going to sound old now but it was it was about you know we were out and we're on our bikes and we used to run around and our parents didn't know where we were or what time we'd be back we'd come back when it started to get dark um but that's what that's what made us. And actually, I feel for the kids that have just come through the past few years because they haven't been able to leave the house, really, and they haven't been able to have that interaction with, with their mates. And it's so important. And I think that's what's really good now. We can get back to that. Whilst we've also, as you said, Zoe, we've got a new understanding of how important that is. And that's what I'm quite excited about for the future. I know you said that you had to kind of hit rock bottom to start to realise that you would feel okay again. Can you tell me yes. a bit about what happened four years ago and, and the impact it had on you and your kids? Yes. So, um, and I've not really talked about this. I've talked about it a bit, but not really in this in this form. So I went through a relationship breakup and a bankruptcy and a driving ban all, all at the same time. There was a lot of that. So basically when all those things hit you at the same time, it pulls the rug out from under you and it was a horrendous time and it makes you value what's important. I remember when the relationship broke down, I left the house with a plastic bag with literally a pair of pants and a toothbrush in it. And it's, it's a very humbling experience when everything is stripped away from you and, you know, your world comes down to a plastic bag effectively. But weirdly, once you lose everything, you appreciate that actually it's just stuff and it's not really important. And what is important is the friendships you have and the people in your life and absolutely your kids as well, because that's what actually counts and everything else is just trappings, really. And that was the big moment for me, I think, um, that you spend your life trapped, I guess, on a hamster wheel of you need to work hard, you need to earn money, you need to pay the mortgage and the bills and, and keep up this, this life, really. But it gave me a chance. And I'm actually, ironically, really grateful for that experience, painful though it was for me and the kids, and it's, it's still painful now. Um, but it just strips everything away and makes you realize what's important. And it gives you a chance to learn as well. Um, and I've learned a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm a better person. I think, through having gone through that experience. Because, yeah, you learn about yourself. You learn about how you're supposed to be. You learn about uh, how you treat other people. You learn about what's important. And, yeah, and you learn that actually the big thing, I think, was nobody cares. And that's the important thing as well. And this ties into Be More Kid. A lot of us go through our lives keeping up a pretense of who we think we have to be in front of other people. Uh, I'm known as this sort of person, so I have to project this image. And actually, you don't. None of us do. 
the most important thing to be is authentic and just to be who we are and to embrace who we are. And not everyone will like that. And that's fine because not everybody is your cup of tea. Um, and that's, that's been a powerful learning as well uh, in terms of just embracing who you are and what you stand for and how you want to live your life. And the people that want to be around you will be around you. People that don't get that won't. And that's a good thing because mm. otherwise you're trying to create an image of who you are depending on who you're with and that's that's exhausting and I feel I did a bit of that um so yeah it's it's been a big learning curve that when you lose everything you realize what's important and actually what's important is people yes amazing that you've you've had this kind of whole reset yeah you've just, it is a reset and you've just brought out all the positives from it and realized yes. that the most important thing is to be happy Absolutely right. Happy or, yeah, in the book we call it content Mm. because actually, and this is another thing that the the self-help industry, it sells you a dream of happiness and it's false because you can't be happy all the time because horrible things happen to all of us. Sad things happen to all of us. Um, We've all got concerns. We get anxious and we get worried. So if you're striving to be happy all the time, it won't work. But I think the secret is you've got to be content all the time. And so you've got to know that some days things won't go your way, but or things will happen that make you feel sad. But as long as underneath you're okay with who you are and where you are, I think that gives you an underlying sense of peace. Yes. So you can then ride that wave, whatever it throws at you. Absolutely right. And the other, other big part of the book that I really like is it's how you interpret things as well. A lot of people go, oh, I'm having a bad day. And you go, well, well, you're not. Just a few things have happened that maybe haven't gone your way. But people attribute, and I used to do this, and in fact, I still do, and I sometimes have to check myself and go, hang on, you're not having a bad day. And actually, just because that has happened, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, In the book, we describe it like electricity. Electricity is neither good or bad. If you put your finger in a socket, you'll die. That's bad. If you want to charge your phone, you'll plug your phone in, it'll charge. That's good. It's It changes depending on what you want. But as, as a thing, it's just it just exists. But we go, that's a good thing. I, I didn't get that client or my girlfriend is doing this or my boyfriend or my husband. And we attribute a meaning to stuff. But actually, we never get full context. So no matter what happens to you, I guess there's a big part of the book and a big part of my journey over the past few years, which is just accepting things because we don't know if anything is good or bad or right or wrong because we don't have full context of where we're going to be. The most exciting things that have happened in my life have started off, for for example, the bankruptcy. At the time, it was horrendous. Actually, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because I'm a better person and I've learned so much. Um, and that wouldn't have happened without that horrendous thing that happened. Yes. Now, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but actually, I think we all have things in our life that, you know, it's easy to go, oh, that's sad, or that's bad, or that shouldn't have happened. But actually, you don't know that it's not the best thing that could have ever happened because we don't have full context. So I guess a big part of it is just accepting things, accepting whatever happens. Um, And if you're stuck in traffic, there might be a reason for that. If if you weren't stuck and you left earlier, 
you might have got caught up in the accident on the M6 uh, ahead of you. And actually, the fact that you're late means you weren't involved in that. And do you know what I mean? You don't ever know what's, what the right thing is. And again, there's a story, story in the book about a couple on, on holiday uh, and they were having a row because they'd got there, they'd been doing quite a lot, a lot of work, they'd got into the hotel and she wanted to get down to the beach. He couldn't find his trunks and was started to waste time and all the rest of it. And they uh, eventually, they didn't get to the beach when she wanted to get there. And it was when the tsunami hit. Oh. So had they have got there at the right time, they would have been caught up in the tsunami. They didn't. They were in the hotel and they were fine. But it's just, it's just those examples, I guess, of just accepting what happens because you don't know where anything will lead. And you're just part of this whole bigger picture. Exactly. And we don't have control anyway. And this is the illusion of control. We all think we have. And I'm all for having goals and objectives and wanting to do various things. But none of us actually have control of our lives. Um, You know, we're all involved in situations beyond our control, situations that we're just small parts of. The only things we can control are how we react to stuff and how Mm. we treat people and, and and our thoughts. We are in control of those things. So actually, there's there's an element that I'm a big fan of, which is, which is if they're the only things you can control, ignore everything else and just concentrate on the things under your control and really, you know, trying to take stock of them and make sure you're thinking the best thoughts you can. And again, it comes down to we can all control what we eat, how much we drink, how much sleep we get, how nice we are to people, how kind we are. We can all control those things. Um, And actually, I think that is the secret. It's about trying to be the best version of ourselves that we can and then accepting that everything else is out of your control and there isn't anything you can do. No, and then hopefully everything slots into place, especially if everybody's trying to be the best version of themselves. Yes, and I think, again, the last few years, everyone has just, I I can feel that, People are nicer. I think they absolutely are. Not yes. everyone, but um, <laughs> I think yeah, we've all realised that actually it's about the, the people around you and trying to be as kind and as nice as, as, as you can. And that's and again, I, you know, I wouldn't wish a pandemic on anyone. And it's been horrendous. And people have lost loved ones, and and I and I have. And it's been it's been a really sad, hard time. But let's take the positives where we can. And I think that is potentially how we treat other people. Absolutely. So this is a parenting podcast. And so we're talking all about families. So I'm what no does it what, what does it mean to you to be a dad? And you've touched upon this just a bit earlier, but how's your relationship changed with your children as they've gotten older? Yeah, I've touched on it. First of all, being a dad is the best thing in the world. It's um it's the best thing I ever did. I had kids fairly young. And so I was 28 when my eldest Jack was born. And I wouldn't change that now, but being really honest, I don't think I appreciated it. I don't think I appreciated it in the way I do now. I don't think I realized how amazing it was and how lucky I was. And I look back now and I, I yeah, I guess I wish I'd spent more time because at the time I was hard, hard at work, which I still am. And, and that, that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem that all parents feel. It's the trade-off between wanting to be there for your kids and wanting to work and you grow a career, all the rest of it. And I think 
I don't know about anyone else, but I found out too late. Actually, the important thing was not the work. It was being there for my son and my other son and my daughter. So I, I kind of, I prioritize that now and I carve out more time and I look for opportunities to go out for a meal or go out for a walk or watch them play sport uh, in a way that just being really honest, I probably didn't when they were first born. Because I think, I think we all grow and we all improve and we get better at stuff. And I think we all of us, unless you're lucky and you're amazing initially, but I think I'm a better parent now than I was. And I wish I'd have known a lot of the stuff I knew now back then. But that's just life, isn't it? And I think we, we it's quite easy to beat ourselves up a bit about that. Yeah, it is. It it's is. kind of this parent guilt that we find. It is. We parent, feel but everyone all the time. I know has that. But there's something nice about setting them a great example as to what you can achieve and aspire to career-wise as well. Exactly right. And I look back at my parents and my mum who's, well, my mum and dad are both huge inspirations. Mum kind of blazed a trail, really, in terms of she worked really, really hard. So quite often we'd get collected at the school gate by another kid's mum and we'd go back to their house and mum was always at work. But what, you're absolutely right, what that set me was an example of actually she was aspiring and she was working and she was growing and, yeah, and she's incredible. And still, I mean, she's a model now. 72. So she had a career change at 70 and decided she wanted to do something new and, and became a model. Um, That's amazing. She's a, she's a massive inspiration. She really is. And she embraces life, as does my dad. Um, and I think that's where it came from. It's, it's that love of life and getting hold of life and, and having a positive attitude of, you can do whatever you want to do, actually. The first step is knowing that you can do that and telling that voice in your head that says you can't to shut up because you absolutely can. And you look at people who have done anything, and it depends on which measure of su success you use, but the people that have done authentically what they want to do, they've done it just because they've thought that they can. That's yes. the only difference between them and anyone else. They've had the thought that I can do that, then they've worked really hard to make it happen. And that's it. I mean, yes, some people have more access to things and some people have more contacts and more money. But fundamentally, it starts with a thought that I want to improve where I am. And I think, you know, that's a very, very powerful thing that my parents instilled in me. And hopefully I can instill that in my kids too. Because I think, you know, it's just really good to have a positive, strong mindset based in that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Giving your kids that element of self-belief, that's got yes. to be the best gift you could give them. I think so. And again, it's that, that's been tough over the past few years, I think. So yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm working hard with, with, with the kids on now. And it's, it's about what they want, want to do as well, because all, all, all of my three don't know what they want to do in, in, in the future. And I've kind of gone, that, that's fine, but just find something you, you enjoy so where is your passion and what do you want to spend your time on? Start there and then it can lead anywhere because half the jobs that will be jobs in 10 years aren't invented yet because the world is changing so fast. So yes. I think it's really important just to go with the things that, that you enjoy. The things that feel good. Yeah, absolutely. But no, be, being a parent is, is the best thing ever. And I just think, you know, for other mums and dads who've, whose kids have got older, it just gets more fun in terms of, I just, I love, they're just great to hang out with, to go out for a meal with, 
uh, to go to go to the pub with because they're old enough to do, do that now. In fact, it was really bizarre. We went to the Panto at the Hippodrome just before Christmas, which was amazing, by the way, and how great to have that back. Um, and we've been going to the Panto since they were tiny kids. And it was really weird because obviously it's not been on for a few years. But I was at the bar having a beer with my two eldest boys thinking, God, years ago, you were kids tearing around on the floor and I was having to try <laughs> yeah. and keep, keep, keep you quiet. And it's just that, the the journey of as your kids get older and it just, it does get more fun. It really does. I agree. Yes, definitely. How old are yours? So mine are 14 and 12. Okay, brilliant. So just starting to get into that stage that you're talking about. Yeah, and having no, really it's, lovely, it's lovely relationships with them. No, it's really good. And your role obviously then changes because then boys and girls get involved and wanting to stay out and sleep over (laughs) friendships that kind of (laughs) end and fights that they have. So you're almost a counsellor as well as a parent, but it's it's brilliant. I've got all that to look forward to. You have. It's all on its way. It's all coming. I'll be thinking, be more kids. Be more (laughs) kids. So we have a series of questions that we ask all of our guests. So I'm going to fire those at you if that's okay. Please. So what would be the two things you would tell your 18-year-old self if you had the chance? Make the most of every moment and everything will be all right. Sound advice. I think so. We all worry. And I think when I went through the bankruptcy, again, it was just such a, a big thing and a horrible thing. But once you've faced something so awful and you go, actually, I'm still here and everything's all right, we, we build things up in our minds to be the worst case. And we almost expect, this is the other thing. And again, with my NLP work with Mark and Nick, and there's, there's a bit about this in the book as well, we often go to worst case in our jobs, in our lives. We often go, oh, I can't do that because actually that will lead to a really bad place or I'll get the sack or will lose a client or he or she will end the end the relationship. But actually, why do we always go to that work? Why don't we imagine a best case? Because actually, if you imagine the best case, there's more chance of that happening. Um, so yeah, I think the, the advice would be everything will be all right. And it's always all right. And especially if you face the worst poss- possible scenario and come through yeah. it, then, then you kind of think, wow, I can take whatever life can throw at me. That's absolutely right. Once you've faced a pretty crappy situation and still everything's okay, then there's nothing else to be fearful of. Yes. Just briefly, you've mentioned NLP a couple of times. Just for anyone who doesn't know what that is, could you briefly describe what that is? Stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And it's basically, it's, yeah, in a nutshell, it's it's ways of communication with other people and understanding your own mind. Um, yeah, for anyone that wants to know more about it, it's been a game changer for me. Uh, I learned with two guys called Mark and Nikki, who I co-wrote the book with. They run a company called The Tailored Life Company, and they teach this. It makes you look at how you communicate with other people, how you communicate with with, with your kids as well. Because we all send a message and we all, no matter if we understand it or not, most of our communication is non-verbal. So it's not what you say, it's how you show up. 
and you can go into a meeting or speak to your kids or speak to your husband or wife and be portraying something completely the opposite to what you think you're portraying. So it's it's a way of understanding all of that and being able to control that. It's a way of being able to understand what other people say and mean as well. So basically, it's improved relationships I've had with pretty much everybody. And it's also, yeah, just about dealing with anxiety, uh, dealing with stress, just, yeah, just just finding inner strength to, to handle life. There's a lot involved in it. But, you know, for anyone feeling either lost or that there's more to life or they want to know, uh, yeah, they want to find something extra, I can absolutely recommend NLP. Sounds fascinating. No, it is. Really interesting. So next question for you. What are the three things you love to do each day? So what gives you a great routine start and end to the day? I've started doing this recently. I've dr- I've started to drink a lot of water. I've only really found the benefits of water now I'm 45, but it's I mean it's everyone knows this. Huge hugely important. So yeah, tr- trying to drink as much as I can. Uh sleep's a massive thing as well. It's it's going back to basics really. And if ever if ever you're not feeling right, if ever you're feeling and I'm and I'm not saying this is a cure for it. But if you're feeling a bit anxious or you're just a bit out of sorts and things don't feel right, I always look at, well, actually, are the building blocks in place? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you getting enough to drink, uh, as in water? Um, and if, if, those, if the building blocks are okay, then you look at what else might be wrong. But quite often, you feel tired, you feel not quite on it, you're irritable or or you're snappy. And it's because your routine isn't right. And I think the older I've got, the more importance I place on a routine. And the other thing is gratitude. Mm. And again, uh, this has been a game changer as well. Just being grateful for things because we all want more. We all want more money, uh, more excitement, more more to do. Um, And actually, half half the battle is just going, well, hang on a second, just look at the amazing things I've got. And you concentrate on on the fact that you've got a good job or the fact you've got some amazing kids or the fact you've got a fantastic husband or wife or the fact that you're healthy um, or that your parents are healthy and you've got a relationship with them. And everyone has things to be grateful for. And that's, and again, if you come back to five years ago when my world imploded, I did this a lot and this probably sparked it off really. I went, okay, I've not got all these things. I've not got a credit rating or a house. My job's unstable because I don't know how this will play out. But what have I got? And you go back to, I've got my kids who are okay and they will be okay. I've got my health. I've got my mum and my dad. And you just look at the things you've got in your life and you just get grateful for those things. And, And actually to write them down as well. It's a great exercise to do in your head. But every night, just to write down the three things you're grateful for, and they can be the same things. But it's a reminder in the crazy old lives that we've all got that there's amazing things that are brilliant and we can be appreciative of. And it's just a nice reset, especially before bed as well. So that's another thing. Yes, just to reflect for the day. And I've heard it said that the more that you're grateful for the good things in your life, it, the more it attracts good it things does. to you. It does, because, again, it, it helps with the sense of calm as well, I think. You go, well, actually, and again, it's, it's yes, we all want to do more and achieve more, or we want 
a promotion or you know a better car or a bigger house and we're all striving for stuff but let's not lose sight of the great stuff that we've got uh, that other people would give their right arm for do you know what I mean so it's a case of going rather than concentrating on what I don't have just appreciate what what I have and again I'm not this isn't a preachy thing because it's not it's not me me going oh this is what everyone should do because I don't do this half the time as well. It's a good a reminder for me just to actually think, yeah, why am I a little bit anxious? And so actually just appreciate what, what, what you've got. So it's a good exercise to do. Yes, definitely. So what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's perhaps going through a bit of a hard time? We've touched upon it a bit. I mean, I think the gratitude piece is huge. But again, live in the moment. And this was... This was key. And this is, again, there's a lot of stuff out there that says live in the moment. And it hit home again when I was going through all, all the bankruptcy. There was, there was so much out of my control. And if anyone is feeling a part of their lives where it's out of control, you've almost got to accept that it's out of your control. And you go back to the here and now. Um, and you go back to breathing and spending time outside and actually choosing to live in the moment as opposed to going, but what if this happens? And I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. And they might do that. And all this is the big unknown over there. And if you live your life in the unknown, in the future, or indeed in the past, that's where the anxiety is, actually. Um, If you're in the present and you're completely accepting that this is where I am, I don't know how things are going to play out, but who does? No one actually knows. I'm just going to make the present as good as it can be and be present and concentrate on it and just be here. That's, That's the advice I'd give, I think, and that helped me get through a lot of stuff. And as well, visualizing things turning out well as well. I do a lot of work with people who maybe have anxiety around public speaking. And it's all about people go, oh, I'm, I'm going to stumble, I'm going to say things wrong, or, or my slides won't work, my PowerPoint won't work, people won't come. And it's, you concentrate on things that might go wrong. And then all, all that you do is you get yourself into a situation where you've gone through the anxiety of that already. So if that happens, it happens twice. So the idea is to go forward, and I still use this, because I still have nerves. If I'm going to host a big event or whatever, I still go into, you imagine yourself half an hour after the thing that's making you anxious, and you put a picture in your mind about things being all right, and it's whatever whatever that is for you. So, for example, I often use a glass of wine at the bar afterwards, that first sip of wine after you've hosted an event or you've done a speech. And it's, it's, that's the moment you know everything's gone all right and everything's gone well. And what that does is it just reaffirms that no matter what happens in that talk or presentation, it doesn't all have to go perfectly well. It's, yeah, you might stumble. You might get things wrong. The slide might not go right. But that doesn't impact on how good or effective the talk or the presentation is. It can still go really well, even though there are a few bumps in the road. And in actual fact, that just adds to the whole experience for everybody. But if you get caught up in that it has to go perfectly well, you'll just tie yourself up in knots, really. 
So that's, yeah, that's a good tip that I still use. Just, you know, whatever it is you're anxious about, if it's an event, put yourself half an hour after that event, make it real. So what is the moment you know it's gone well? Is it a handshake with the person you're you're doing an interview with? Is it is it you standing on stage and you have a bow in front of the audience? Is it at the bar having a sip? Is it a hug with your husband or wife as you get home? Whatever that point is when you know it's gone well, put that in your mind, make sure that happens. And it's just, it's almost like a, a point in time to aim for. I love that. That's such a good idea. It's just yeah, focusing it's on that. Technique. It is. It's just that oh moment afterwards when you could just yeah. think whatever's happened you're still going to get there aren't you at some point absolutely right and and that's another thing you know again I do as I said I do a lot of work with people who are who have to stand on stage uh, and present and it's a bit like you're going to do it anyway so you will be on stage you will be in front of a room full of people so you may as well enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, what, what's the point? So just accepting you're going to do it, putting a marker for after the, the event that it's all gone well, and enjoy it. Because, you know, actually, no, no one cares. They're all on, on your side. They want you to, to do well. We just, we create situations in our heads and we make things so much worse for ourselves than, than we need to. So that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'd say. Just, just try and enjoy stuff and things are never as bad as you think they're going to be. Your mind's a powerful thing, both good and bad. And we're still trained into cave person days where we could get eaten by a tiger at any minute. And that's why our brains, our brains, our unconscious minds as well, they, they shut things down. And anything that's a bit scary, anything that's out of our comfort zones, our unconscious mind goes, oh, this might end horrendously. But it's trying to protect you in a world that no longer exists. Those big threats don't exist anymore, but our brains haven't evolved sufficiently to deal with that. So that's where we need to trick them and go, everything is okay here. I know you're trying to keep me safe and I appreciate that, but I'm going to ignore that because I'm only standing on a stage in front of people. It's not the big, I'm not going to get eaten. I'm not going to die. I know you're trying to keep, keep me safe, brain, but that's, I'm, I am going to overrule you here and everything will be all right. I think that's a powerful technique. And you could use that in any situation, couldn't you? It could be going and standing on the playground and talking to other moms and dads if that's a nerve-wracking situation for you. Yeah. And again, understanding we all feel, we all feel that, you know, to bowl over to a group of people you don't know, no matter who you are, there's anxiety attached to that. Um, So I guess it's just, yeah, accepting that everyone feels exactly the same, but the worst that can happen is not really, is not, is not bad. There's no, it can't end horrendously. So yeah, just make, make, make the best of it. Well, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you, Ed. Thank you <laughs> Thank so really much <laughs> to, to, for joining us today on the podcast. It's just been amazing. And I just wish you lots of luck and, and, and joy in your life going forward. Thank you. And you. You can find more of Ed's tips on being playful on the Brummy Mummies Facebook page and on the Birmingham Live website. And you can order his book, Be More Kid, from Amazon and all good booksellers. This is a laudable production brought to you by Brummy Mummies and Birmingham Live. You can download or stream the podcast on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple. Be sure to follow our Brummy Mummies Facebook page for lots more family information. 
And whilst there, sign up to our free newsletter to make sure you never miss an episode. See you next time.